This episode is sponsored by Celestron, manufacturer of high-quality telescopes and an industry leader in developing exciting optical products with revolutionary technologies. I'm Kelly Beattie of Sky and Telescope magazine, and tonight we're going on a tour of the stars and planets that you'll see overhead during June. First, we'll time this month's solstice, trace the moon's cycle of phases, spot five planets all at once, and track down a snake handler in the early summer sky. So grab your curiosity and come along on this month's Sky Tour. For summer lovers in the Northern Hemisphere, June is a great month. The solstice, when daylight is longest, comes on the 21st at 5.14 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. At June solstice, the midday sun passes directly overhead from anywhere along the Tropic of Cancer, which runs around our planet at a latitude of 23.5 degrees north. Yep, that's why this line is marked on the globe of the Earth, along with the Tropic of Capricorn, 23.5 degrees south of the equator. But if you love to savor the night sky, this is a minimalist month, because the nights are so short. And the farther you are from the equator, the shorter they get. Here in Boston, dawn comes around 5 a.m., whereas down in Miami, it's around 6.30. And for most of us, the evening twilight doesn't end until 9 p.m. or later, which makes it tougher to observe, especially if you want to bring your kids along. So let's figure out where the moon will be this month. We've had something of a running theme this year, with the lunar phases in close sync with the calendar. There was a new moon on May 30th, so we'll have the moon in our evening skies for the first half of June. During the first days of this month, look for a slender lunar crescent moving a little higher in the evening sky night by night. First quarter falls on the 7th, followed by the full strawberry moon on June 14th. This particular full moon occurs when it's near perigee, the point in its orbit closest to Earth. You're bound to hear about this so-called supermoon, but honestly, it's only 7% closer to us than average. If you can tell the difference, good for you. I sure can't. After that, the moon rises later and later in the evening. The last quarter moon, on the night of June 20th, pops up in the east well after midnight. And new moon follows on the 28th. This will be a month with no comets, no strong meteor showers, and no eclipses of the sun or moon. And yet, something rare and otherworldly will occur. If you're a regular Sky Tour listener, you know that the planets have been putting on quite a show in the pre-dawn sky. Well, this month, their performance reaches something of a climax. Beginning around June 4th, fast-moving Mercury begins a climb in the eastern sky before dawn, joining four other planets already there. What's remarkable is that all these worlds will be in the same order as they orbit the sun going outward. Mercury is lowest, then sweeping toward its upper right are Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. On the 4th, this quintet will be packed closest together, within an arc of sky only 91 degrees long. Such a compact configuration doesn't happen very often at all. It's been nearly a century since a similarly tight parade of planets has graced our skies, and it won't happen again until 2041. But here's the thing. Mercury will be very low down and seriously challenging to spot, even if you have an unobstructed view toward east. About 30 minutes before sunrise, 
Look for it to the lower left of Venus by about twice the width of your clenched fist held at arm's length. As the days go by, Mercury will climb higher into the sky and get brighter. My suggestion is to try again later in the month, around June 24th. Now, by then, the string of five planets will be slightly farther apart, but Mercury will be much easier to locate. And as an added bonus, on that morning, a thin crescent moon will be situated between Venus and Mars, which will add to the scene's beauty. And you can think of the moon as a proxy for Earth in this ordering of the planets. Also, although you can't see them by eye, Uranus is to the upper right of Venus, and Neptune lurks to the upper right of Jupiter. Now there's an encore to this planet parade, and that happens two mornings later, on the 26th. Be outside and ready about 30 minutes before sunrise, and then look low in the east. There you'll find a razor-thin crescent moon just a couple of degrees to the left of brilliant Venus. For those of us in the Americas, this will be the closest to pairing of these two worlds all year. Wow, that's a lot of activity before dawn. Wait, what? You're not a morning person? Okay, then let's check out the stars that you'll find in the evening sky after sunset. During the first half of June, head outside as the evening twilight starts to deepen and look over in the direction of where the sun set. If you have a clear view toward west, you'll see a couple of bright stars low over the horizon, about seven-fifths apart. The brighter one, on the right and low in the northwest, is a distinctive star called Capella, and the one on the left, a little higher up, is Regulus, the alpha star in the constellation Leo. Midway between them are Gemini's twins, the stars Pollux and Castor, side by side. Now all of these stars are sinking from view night by night. They are edging closer to the sun by about one degree per day. And why is that? Because Earth is racing around in its orbit, and the sun's apparent position with respect to background stars is shifting. By month's end, the only one of these stars you can hope to see is Regulus. After it gets good and dark, look well to your left so that you're facing southwest, more or less. The bright star you see is usually called Spica, though I prefer Spica. It's the brightest star in Virgo, the maiden, who's lounging on her side across this stretch of sky. Take a moment to check out Spica's color. It's a blue-white star shining 20,000 times brighter than our sun at a super-hot 40,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Maybe it's a good thing that Spica is 250 light-years away from us. Now look higher up, by about three fists, almost overhead at nightfall, and you'll see a really dazzling star called Arcturus. It ranks as the fourth brightest star in the nighttime sky. Number one is Sirius, which has settled out of sight in the West until later this year. And numbers two and three on the list are Canopus and Alpha Centauri, which can't be seen from the mid-northern latitudes where most of us live. So, Arcturus is the brightest star you'll see all summer. It's a relatively old red giant, about 37 light-years from us. The gleam that's reaching your eye right now left Arcturus in 1985, when Ronald Reagan was president and the most popular movie was Back to the Future. Let's go back to Speaker for a moment and look about two fists to its left. Can you see a medium bright star? And there's another one to its upper left about one fist away? These are in the dim constellation Libra, and they're named Zubinel Genubi and Zubinesh Shamali. 
Now, there's nothing particularly noteworthy about these stars, but I just love saying their names. In Arabic, Zubinel Ganubi means the Southern Claw, and Zubinesh Shamali, the Northern Claw. Long ago, they were considered part of the constellation Scorpius, which is rising to their left in the east. You'll have to wait close to midnight to see all of Scorpius. A bright orange-hued star marks its heart. That's called Antares. To its right are a roughly vertical row of three stars that mark the critter's head. To the lower left of Antares, running down in a line that arcs upward on the left end, are the stars that trace out the tail and stinger. Now, as long as we're in this general area, let me help you track down a big constellation that you've probably never heard of. It's called Ophiuchus, the serpent bearer. As with Libra, this is a huge chunk of celestial real estate without any really bright stars. So are you up for a little star-finding challenge? Keep your eye on Antares and wait until about 11 p.m. or a little earlier at the end of June, and then look one and a half fists to its upper left to reach the star Sabik. Now go three fists above that and a little left to spot Razalheg, which is Arabic for Head of the Serpent Charmer. Ophiuchus is a big, boxy constellation that's about three fists tall in the shape of a fat nose cone for a rocket. Razal Haig is at the pointy top, and Sabik marks the lower left corner. One oddity about Ophiuchus is that he's holding a snake, the constellation Serpens, that's actually in two pieces, with one half to his right and the other to his left. It's the only constellation out of all 88 that has this split personality. That's about it for this month. If you want more tips for viewing the night sky, including a free interactive star chart for any time or date, check out our website, skyandtelescope.org. If you haven't already subscribed, you can find this sky tour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. And if you've enjoyed listening, could you please leave a rating or a review? It'll help spread the word about Sky Tour, and I really welcome your feedback. And if you want to explore the solar system and universe more deeply, check out the full line of binoculars and telescopes available at Celestron.com. Sky Tour is a production of Sky and Telescope, a division of the American Astronomical Society, and is produced by me, Kelly Beatty. Next month, we'll welcome Saturn to the evening sky, and I'll tell you what the Brazilian flag has to do with astronomy. Until then, I wish you clear skies.